NASCAR's most important betting stop of the day, the money stop, returns. Presented by Kicking the Tires, he's Cole Cusimano, my older brother. I'm Stephen Cusimano. Splash and go right into it, Cole. Martin Truex Jr., back in victory lane. It's been a long time coming for Martin and the 19 team. At Dover, Truex conquers the Monster Mile after a dominant day by William Byron and a couple others in the front of the pack. But uh, this was a day that we mentioned it going in, Cole. Uh, we knew that Martin Truex Jr. going to a concrete track that is one of the short tracks on the circuit. We knew he would be a player, and he winds up not just being a player, but he winds up being the winner. Death, Texas, and Martin Truex Jr. on Monday. They are just a combination that goes together so well, and we saw it once again. Also, congrats to Ryan Truex. It was a Truex sweep in Dover. So that was a really fun, I think, a, a big fan favorite weekend in general across the sport. But, man, I have to say... If there is one track on the circuit that is worthy of a second race, it's got to be Dover, in my opinion. Just everything from the fanfare with Miles the Monster and the trophy. By the way, the coolest trophy in NASCAR, in my opinion. But this track is just so amazing. It's one of the most grueling on the circuit. I, in my opinion, it, it's very similar. It's like a Martinsville in a sense to where it's just so demanding on the driver, the team, the crew chief. And it really rewards complete execution and if you're off in one area or make one mistake it's really going to set you back so far and i think that the seventh generation car the next gen car it really does a lot of favors to this track and i know it's the attendance hasn't been where the track would like it to have been in the last few years but if there's ever going to be a time where the sport steps up and you know brings back some of these tracks that have been embedded in the history for so long i think it's got to be dover just given the product that we saw this past weekend which i thought was amazing and um the history of it all so i, I thought it was a, a phenomenal race i think um as far as us and how we forecasted it it wasn't our best race but it wasn't our worst race as well you saw the chevrolets really dominate as i guess everyone expected i mean it was pretty much william byron the entire race Ross Chastain up front for the entire duration as well, causing some controversy along the way. But in the end, it was the Toyotas that really came to the forefront and just the way strategies worked out and such um, it ended up with Truex and Victory Lane. And uh, yeah, it was, a, a, again, a great race and I had a blast watching it. Yeah, I'll be the first to say I thought for sure it would be a Chevy in Victory Lane. And it looked like the fastest car most of the day was a Chevy. I think that car faded a little bit on William Byron, who, by the way, was my pick to win, wound up fourth in this race. But I couldn't agree more with you that Dover deserves that that second race more than any of these tracks that especially have lost the second race over the past few years. It's just been so competitive over the last few years. I think there was a time where there was a stigma with, again, with Jimmy Johnson winning so many races there, that there was a time where it maybe wasn't the most competitive. But I think this particular package works really well for Dover. And I think there's something there. I know it's not the same package as the normal short track package. And I think that there's things NASCAR could take from how well and how competitive this race is at Dover and maybe apply that towards the package that they have at the short tracks this year. And that's me saying this as someone who doesn't know a lot about the specifics and the minutia that goes into those different elements of the sport. But I think there's definitely something there. Like you said, it's just been such an entertaining and fun track, very marketable track in a, a market as well. That That's like you said before with the Truex Bros it's relatively close to a, a good market that NASCAR can tap into where it doesn't have really a lot of fans maybe. So I think there's a lot that NASCAR can take from this week as a positive and a very fun, popular win with the Truex brothers sweeping the weekend. Ross Chastain, as you mentioned, Cole was one of the main players in the third stage and he wound up second. Ryan Blaney, another big player that we didn't touch on yet. He wound up 
finishing third in this race. I mentioned William Byron fourth, Denny Hamlin fifth, Christopher Bell in sixth, Tyler Reddick round up seventh, Brad Kay with a really strong day, Kozlowski round up in eighth, Chris Busher hit ninth, and then Josh Berry, my sleeper for the win, a guy that we were both extremely confident would be a top 10 that we called a big money bet, finished in 10th place. So I think that was kind of the gist of it was at least the way that I forecasted this race. I was very confident it would be dominated by the Hendrick Chevys. It was, it just wasn't won by the Hendrick Chevys. But as you look up and down the top 10, I think there's not a ton of surprises, but I think it's hard, forget surprises. I think it's hard not to be impressed by what we saw from Josh Berry. Again, like we were expecting it, but to come, you know, again, out of a, a weekend where he wasn't in a cup car last week, he hasn't been in the 48 car this year. And to do what he did at a track that we knew he was capable of finishing in the top 10, he did it. And, and it's just been so impressive to watch. And now that, uh, there's Josh Berry rumors circulating on the rumor mill. Right. And it's it's going to be interesting to see where he winds up, because I think there's no doubt that he's going to land a cup ride next year. The most popular thing I'm seeing on, across social media is to the four car, which I mean, that would be tremendous. It's a great organization uh, with a lot of speed. And you'd be inheriting a uh, a very coveted ride, but I have a hard time seeing Chevrolet let him walk. But I think if there if there are any, are any rides available in the Cup Series with you know that that prestige and that ability to to kind of contend and win now, that would be the, the probably the best fit for Josh Berry. But one other piece of news that I want to touch on and, and address the elephant in the room: you are a noted lifelong Jimmy Johnson fan. We'd spent years watching this sport and watching him dominate for Hendrick Motorsports in a Chevy. And news came out earlier in the week that Legacy Motor Club will be switching to Toyota next year. And I would love to hear your thoughts as a Jimmy Johnson fan on this uh, happening. Yeah, it's obviously tough to hear. Growing up, literally my entire life, a Team Chevy fan and, and watching Jimmy dominate in the Impalas and the Camaros and the SS and everything in between. It's difficult news. Um, I think that it's something... As you know, that's the fan side of it. More along the intrigue side of it, this is one of the first times we've seen a team that has long been with Chevy or a manufacturer switch to Toyota. Usually it's been the other way around where a Chevy team switching to Ford and we, we're kind of used to that little bit of a trade. But this is the first time we've seen a longtime Chevy team in obviously Legacy, Legacy Motor Club. Then it was Petty GMS previously and, and they were Dodge even going back to before that in uh, the Richard Petty, Petty Gillette days. I think that it's interesting. I'm interested to see how this goes for Legacy Motor Club. But as you mentioned, Cole, growing up as I did, uh, the Jimmy Johnson fan and the Team Chevy fan, it was a tough pill for me to swallow at the time. But I was glad that the Legacy Motor Club was able to my morale back up, seeing Noah Gregson's throwback paint scheme to one of the Jimmy Johnson Coke 600 winning patriotic paint schemes. I thought that was the coolest thing to see in the video on social of Noah wearing Jimmy's uh, fire suit that clearly had the team Chevy logo on it. it. It was really cool to see. I'm ec ecstatic, absolutely ecstatic to see that car on track. And it, it's exciting to know that at least not all of the, the team Chevy and I guess not, it, it's exciting to know that not all the team Chevy, I guess, fanfare and not all of the history that Jimmy has with team Chevy is completely going down the drain, but uh, obviously a very unique change and one that I was not expecting to stay the least. Yeah, I think this is a, a great step in the right direction for Legacy Motor Club because right now there are some Mod Podge different teams. They're, they're getting their engines from RCR. They're getting bits and pieces of data from Hendrick. They have pit crews from Joe Gibbs Racing. So they're just a, like a complete Frankenstein team. 
And and when you put it that way, it's easy to see why they haven't been performing at the level they want to be competing at right now. But I think in switching to Toyota, you're going to be now considered, I think, a quarter of the field, basically, because you're going to have eight full-time teams. And you have those eight teams who will be sharing an abundance of data while compiling your own data to go off of as well. Something that they weren't getting with Chevrolet. And I think that when you have teams like Joe Gibbs Racing and 2311 Racing, both who are very competitive, it should mean good things for this newly branded Toyota club going into 2024. It's a great point. I mean, they're going to have resources that they certainly don't have this year, especially when you go to some of the super speedway tracks. There is strength in numbers, but I think there's a lot of strength in to get resources and information from a much more focused and concentrated group that, like you said, Cole, includes eight full-time teams. So that sense of it is very exciting. I think you never know. I, I think that people thought there would be growing pains for Toyota this year, but we haven't seen them. And I think that they're working out the kinks with this new package in 2023 and Legacy Motor Club could be switching over at the perfect time. Looking at Nickel or Dime segment, Cole, we are shifting gears to the Bluegrass State. Kansas Speedway is where we head this week, and we have got some phenomenal paint schemes on track this week. I'm just going to start with what we're both thinking right now. You look at the, the Money Stop graphic at the underscore Money Stop that features all of the paint schemes uh, on our nickel or dime graphic. I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy car that is co-branded with King's Hawaiian rolls for Brad Kozlowski and RFK is it's just phenomenal. That's one of the top paint schemes I've seen in, in some time. I think obviously anytime you put a Galaxy kind of gradient on a car, it's going to be impressive. But I am just so impressed with how well these two sponsors are married together because you kind of have the orange and purple uh, sort of colorway that Guardians of the Galaxy brings to the table. And that's perfectly meshed in with the orange of the Hawaiian rolls. And I just can't believe how well it goes together and how great this car looks. That's a dime. Oh, 1 million percent is beautiful. So the first, I guess, third of the car behind the six uh, and to the nose, is like the traditional King's Hawaiian car. And then the back... Two-thirds is that, like you said, a, pur- a purple gradient with a galaxy design uh, towards the, the rear wheel wells. The left side of the car has the Guardians of the Galaxy logo. And by the way, the pillars are also a very, very nice light purple gradient with the galaxy design inside of it. And the right mm-hmm. side of the car has the actual Guardians of the Galaxy right behind the number six. So beautiful looking car. I love the other... RFK car as well, the the bodyguard number 17. It's got an orange chrome number with a white stroke and then a black outline. And it's got the orange three pillars by the uh, the exhaust. And it's got the hexagonal designs with a little bit of an orange gradient inside of those as well. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. With, also with a, a matte gray base. So really nice looking car as well. Very sleek. I think, honestly, all the cars in our graphic for the most part this week look amazing. This hard. The only nickel I really have is probably that 19 car, the racer's car, which we always give crap to. But uh, that's not one. It's, it's one, that we've t- one that we've touched on before, so I'm not going to bring it up again and bash it to the ground again. But uh, one more <laughs> dime I'm going to give out is the number four of Kevin Harvick. Mm-hmm. It is a hashtag break for Bush. It's the classic cornfields with blue skies Bush car that we see every time we come to Kansas. But I saw the actual rendering in the shop on social media and it looks different from years past so on the graphic it looks very light and vibrant but when you see it in person it's more darker tones but it still pops very well it's, it's very hard to describe but it looks really really nice in person not as uh, 
it's, it's weird. It doesn't look as vibrant as the graphic, but in other ways it does. So I, I definitely encourage you to watch the race or go to Seward Haas Racing social media and check it out. But I'm always a big fan of that Bush car with the, the cornfields and the blue skies. Yeah, I love that look. That was you know, the next paint scheme my eyes took to. And I, I just think overall, if I can give some props to Bush, they do the best job of catering their paint scheme and kind of customizing it to whatever track we go to. And their various different social media campaigns with the hashtags across the car. I think it's a great way to use the extra space that goes from underneath the window net to the back of the car. They just do such a great job with, with the paint schemes overall. They're, they're one of the sponsors who really does as good a job as anyone. And I'm I'm interested by the, the 45 car this week that Tyler Reddick is rocking because it's a more sporty look to the McDonald's paint scheme than what we're used to. And it looks like one of the fries on the side has a little tip of ketchup on it. I think I like it. Um, it's, it's I always like the way that kind of lines look when they're going across the car in a way that looks sort of symmetrical to the rest of the car and, and the lines, uh, the body style. So that one I kind of liked. And I, I also like the other 2311 car, the Dr. Pepper one, Dr. Pepper mm. Zero Sugar. Uh, I just love that that Dr. Pepper maroon look on the car. It just makes you want a Dr. Pepper. I like both those cars a lot as well. I, th I think that's a, a major improvement from the uh, McDonald's car we've seen this year already. I think the, yeah. uh, the French fries behind the 45 with the t one tip of ketchup looks great. And I love that Dr. Pepper car as well. It just looks very, very nice, very simple. Well, we know what the cars are going to look like. Let's talk about what they're going to do now. Take it to the bank. Let's put some money in your pocket as we preview this upcoming race at Kansas, we'll know the starting lineup at 5.50 p.m. Eastern in the night qualifying session that will take place Saturday on Fox Sports 1. And as a, no, a surprise to probably no one, the favorites to win this race are the Hendrick Chevys. Kyle Larson at plus 500, the heavy favorite to win. And then you've got three co-favorites at second, including William Byron, Tyler Reddick, and Denny Hamlin. And then last week's winner, Martin Truex Jr., is valued at the fifth highest odds, plus 8.50. Looking at those, Cole, and kind of breaking things down as we get into our favorites to win this race, Kyle Larson is the favorite to win, and he's one of my favorites out of the two I'm going to name here. Kyle looking to rebound after that difficult stage one chaos with Ross Chastain and Brennan Poole, where he was just caught in the crosshairs of a really aggressive and difficult move at the beginning of the race. He's got the speed to contend every single week. I think we've seen, and we've talked about this a lot here on the money stop, that Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels have in the second year of the next-gen car. They've really started to take command as one of the, the premier teams that can win any track, any surface, any week. They've just been extremely unlucky this year. And Kansas is a place where he should definitely be heavily considered, even with the misfortune, because that's something you can't forecast. He had the one win there in 2020, finished second and eighth there last year, but he led 455 laps. He is plus 500 for the win. And in DFS, a steep price of 11200 But I think that Kyle Larson is the favorite for good reason. And I, I look at him as one of the guys that I expect to be running in the top five all afternoon at Kansas. Could not agree more. And I mean, you look at his last win. That was coming off a, a weekend where he had to rebound from a horrible, <laughs> excruciating um, loss where Ryan Priest turned him. Well, now you have another race where he got taken out with a really fast car thanks to Ross Chastain doing his thing and uh, taking out a, a lapper 80 laps into stage one. So I, I think Kyle Larson will definitely be a, a great pick for the win. Someone's going to be up front and lead a lot of laps. Someone else who I think is going to be in the same boat is going to be William Byron. And I think we're at a point in the season going into the quarter mark of the season where we can confidently say this 24 team will be a contender week in and week out. Coming off a weekend where he finished fourth after dominating and leading nearly 200 laps at Dover. His most laps led in a single race this season, actually, and also has most laps led this season by a significant margin over Kyle Larson. 
And that Kansas, he is very under the radar, in my opinion, maybe because he hasn't gotten a win there yet. But six top tens in your 10 starts and laps led in seven of those 10 races, that's pretty damn good. And I think looking at this race going in, he will definitely be a contender for the win. And I think he could be a safer ace to go with over in DFS over Kyle Larson. He's also $300 cheaper, which when you're talking $10,900, it's not really any consolation there. But I do think he's just, he's a safer bet in terms of he's always a consistent leader up front, a contender for the win. Whereas Kyle Larson, you know he has the speed, but the luck has just not been there. So I think obviously they're both going to be a 1A, 1B type of driver. But when you're talking Hendrick Motorsports, I think um, it's going to be one of these two guys you want to go with. And I would feel safer with William Byron, just given his laps led this season and how that, that team has looked as a whole. They've looked a lot more complete. So that's going to be my pick for the favorites category, William Byron. Again, he's plus 750 for the win and $10,900 in DFS. I'm with you. William Byron is the safest pick at any track we go to. I think he's just been the guy that's going to lead the most laps and dominate. And if he's not going to win, he's going to be in the top five. He's just been able to put together a lot of complete races that 2014 has all season long. The guy who put the uh, complete race together last week and maybe stole the win from William was Martin Truex Jr. And we've praised his consistency for quite a few weeks now and now starting to see the results. We kind of saw this coming. I didn't think he was going to win at Dover, I'll be honest. But am I surprised he won at Dover? Absolutely not, because we've seen the signs carrying in. And that's a likely to carry into Kansas, too. A couple wins in 2017 when he swept the Kansas races last year. A couple of top sixes, finished sixth and fifth. Top tens in his last seven starts at Kansas, too. So he should be a very consistent pick, even beyond the top tens in his last seven starts. 11 top tens in his last 12 races there. So he led the second most laps at Kansas since he's come into the sport. Fourth best average finish there at 12.2. If you want consistency running up front, you take William Byron. And if you want consistency overall, you're taking Martin Truex Jr. for more of a value at plus 850 for the win. And $10,000 in daily fantasy is a, when you look at the tier one drivers, it's a very solid value for a guy that I think has a very good chance of starting up front, staying up front and finishing up front. Definitely. And you mentioned the consistency. We cannot mention that without the model for consistency this season in Christopher Bell. Eight top tens in 11 races this season, hand in hand with the best series average at 10.5. And JGR has looked outstanding these past few weeks. I think that should mean great things coming off a win at Dover and going into a place where Toyota won both races last year. And speaking on Seabell's consistency, this was also the case at Kansas last year and in his career. Finished fifth and third there last year with laps led in both races. Top tens in four of six starts in the Cup Series. And I think a lot of the hype is surrounding guys like Kyle Larson and his bad luck, William Byron and his dominance, and within his own stable, Denny Hamlin struggles, Truex's win. But he should very much be seen as a weekly contender as well, who will only get better as the season goes on. I don't know if I like him for the win or for DFS over Byron, but from that stable, I definitely feel like Christopher Bell is going to be the best bet. And it's a weird one to tackle for this category because when we talk favorites, we often talk guys who could win this race. And I think that when you think Kansas, you think of Chevrolet dominating the lap sled and all that up front. But you think of Toyota in the wins column. I think they've won four of the last six races there. And I think anybody can win from that stable. But it's mainly going to be either Christopher Bell or Martin Truex as a a safer pick in that regard. I think Denny Hamlin's somebody that can definitely go out there and win the race. But I just don't like what I've seen from that team as a whole this season. They have not been able to execute 
He's been struggling so bad on pit road every single week. I just need to see more of a composure from that team as a whole. I think Ty Gibbs, we're going to mention him later on in the show. He should be due for a great run. As far as the 2311 cars, they've been very hard to read this season. I think Tyler Reddick, he's going to be a popular pick going into this race because Kirk Busch won in that car in this race last year. But he has just not had a good career at all at Kansas. I think it's a place where he knows how to get around because it's very much caters to those dirt racers where you can run wide open against the wall, but it can also burn you a lot. And it's burned him a lot in his career at Kansas so um, I I just think that you look at that Toyota stable and anyone can win but your safest bets are going to be Bell and Truex for DFS and and, and I guess if you're going with a winner pick you can go with your gut I just think that these are the four drivers in my opinion that have the best shot at making it to victory lane on Sunday I like that outlook because again you think about the the cars that are going to lead most laps I don't think anyone would argue that a Chevy's not going to lead the most laps in this race but I think you want to look deeper. And as you said, Cole, the Toyotas have been the ones in victory lane. And if you're going to look at the Toyotas, those are the two. It's Christopher Bell and Martin Truex Jr. They're the two Toyotas that have been the most promising and consistent all year. I think there's obviously been times, like you mentioned, Cole, that Tyler Reddick has looked really good, but it's been a little bit unpredictable or inconsistent. And I think coming off the win for Truex, you can expect him to be up there with a chance to win at the end. And the same for Christopher Bell, who you can say that about pretty much any week. So those are our favorites, those two Toyotas of Bell and Truex, and then a couple of Hendrick Chevys in Kyle Larson and William Byron. Moving down to the sleepers category now, let's go with a Ford here and the guy whose paint scheme we're just using over, Kevin Harvick. You mentioned, uh, Cole, that Kevin Harvick has been kind of one of the only sure things on, on a weekly basis in the Ford stable earlier, and I really like that team a lot this week. He's had a little bit of a skid as of recently with no finish higher than 19th over the last three weeks, but Speed continues to be there and just hasn't had the luck similar to the regard of Kyle Larson. And he's always been one of the best drivers at Kansas. Tied for the third most wins there at three, most recently coming in 2018, though. He's also got five runner-up finishes here, which is not easy to do. And 9.9 average finish with a guy who has the most starts in the field here, including a 1,000 laps led tops in the field. So Kevin Harvick, a guy that I see running in the top 10. And this is a track that I, I just think... Kind of more as a gut feeling than anything. I see Kevin Harvick running up front, top 10 bare minimum. And I feel like we could see a, a late steal for the win at, at this track. I don't know why I'm thinking that this week. Gut feeling that the driver that dominates is not going to be the driver that wins. And I don't know. I have no science to back that up. Sometimes you got to go with your gut. And I think that Kevin Harvick is the closer. I think he's Mr. Opportunistic. And I think that if there is a chance for somebody to steal a win, why not happy Harvick? I think we're both in the same boat for Harvick this week. We both feel really good about him as a gut call. And he's kind of, this is a track where I kind of associate him with, maybe because the Bushy McBush race a couple of years ago, or that cool looking car he always brings here with the cornfields and such. But I think he should be a, a definite threat for the win at, at top 10, bare minimum. I, I think he's yeah. a guy where he pretty much runs like sixth every single week with the chance for a top five. <laughs> And I don't see that changing going into this race. For my first sleeper, I'm going to keep it in the Ford stable. And let's go with Brad Keselowski. He's someone, as we get to the quarter mark of the season, where I think he can seriously be considered a top 10 car on a weekly basis. He's led laps in all but two races this season, which is great for DFS. And after seeing Truex snap his winless streak, it has me wondering when will Brad's come? It could be here. I mean, at Kansas, he has a great resume. I will not take much stock into last year, given their massive performance uptick from 2022. But historically, he has two wins at Kansas, 
the last coming in 2019, so fairly recently, top 10s in the starts and the third best average finish right around 12th place at 12.1. I think for this race, he will definitely be a top 10 car. I, I think that's what we're going to get from Brad Kozlowski. So we're going to run around like seventh, eighth place with chance for a top five. And I love what I'm seeing from this team because every single week he has the top 10 speed, but in almost all these races, there's been some sort of error that's set them back. And in most of these starts, he's been able to rebound. And most notably was last week at Dover. They were running, I think, challenging for a top five, actually. And then it was before the money stop. They had a, a pit stop where they had an uncontrolled tire. They had to restart the back of the field, and they still managed to get a top 10 finish. So I think that speaks volumes. I think that team is a definite top 10 contender week in, week out. And we can consider them that so for DFS and beyond. And I think I love his value this week as well. At $8,200 for DFS, that is right below that recommended average salary threshold when you begin crafting your lineups. And for the win, he is plus 2800 I think you mentioned guys that can steal a win. He's definitely someone that comes to mind. Should they be able to run a race where they're able to um, keep it clean and not get set back? But I, I think, no doubt in my mind, Brad Kozlowski should be a top 10 car when it's all said and done at Kansas this weekend. I did forget to mention that Kevin Harvick is valued at 8700 in DFS, which is a very solid value. I think you look at similarly priced drivers, and he's one of the more consistent ones that I think you know what you're getting out of and, and that he should be running you know, mid-pack top 10-ish for most of the race, like you mentioned for Brad. And then I can't believe it's taken us this long to talk about the race winner from the most recent Kansas race. That is Bubba Wallace. Outside of the bad finish he had at Talladega, where he had a 35 laps led earlier this year and had winning speed, I love how consistent they've been the last handful of races with the top 10, a couple of finishes barely outside of the top 10. I think that you go to a track that Bubba is going to be exuding confidence at as, the, again, the the most recent race winner at Kansas and finished 10th there in the spring as well. So we know it's a track that he's progressively gotten better at. And one more Toyota has been pretty much automatic in terms of being able to win these races. And I think that you, that you think of Bubba Wallace as a guy who's confidence is going to ride with him in the car and i think that you know that he's going to be riding up front probably if i had to make kind of a forecast of bubble wallace's day he rides around the back end of the top 10 for most of the day maybe floats around borderline top five at certain points and i think that you think about a guy that that could steal a win you certainly look at bubble wallace because that's essentially what happened last time we were at kansas and if you're looking at the toyotas how do you not look at bubble wallace who won there last year 9,000 in DFS is a little steep for me just because of the fact that he has historically been a little bit more of an inconsistent driver. He's gotten into some trouble from time to time. Plus 1,400 for the win, I think, is also a little steep. But I think that tells you what I'm basically trying to tell you right now is that Bubba Wallace should heavily be considered as a sleeper to win this race. I think that Vegas sees him as as such. I think it's difficult to, to not look at Bubba Wallace as someone who has a shoe in for the win with what he did there last time we were in the bluegrass state. But I think that when you look at similarly priced drivers, he's not the most sure bet, but he definitely is someone that that's on my radar. And I'm considering to potentially go back to back at Kansas. That's a, a perfect way to put it for Bubba. And I'm intrigued more than anything because you're going to a place now where he won last year and he has expectations. I want to know how he handles those expectations because you go to tracks like mm -hmm. Daytona and Talladega and the confidence is, is sky high, and it's hard to break that. Uh, so I, I think I'm curious if that translates to more confidence going into Kansas, where the speed's not so much a sure thing as when you go to a, a super speedway. 
but I think it should be a, a very good race for Bubba Wallace regardless. So I think a, a top 10 bet would, would definitely be what I, what I would go for as well. For my final driver as a sleeper, I'm going to go with our first and only Team Penske driver in this episode, and for good reason. Uh, it's going to be Ryan Blaney. This stable has been very, very puzzling to me the entire season because the consistency has not been there at all. It's like you're waiting for it to, for these drivers to come around, these teams to come around, specifically in reference to Joey Logano, but it's just not happening. And we're going through a track that favors Toyotas in the win column, Chevy in terms of dominance. So you might be asking why I'm picking Ryan Blaney. It's because I love what I've been seeing from him these last few weeks. Three straight top tens, including back-to-back podium finishes entering Kansas. And I wanted to add him on the outline last week for Dover, where he ended up third. But I had major apprehensions given Team Penske's inconsistencies and Blaney's historical struggles at Dover. And when I look at Blaney and his stats from Kansas, I kind of feel the same way with his sub-16 place average finish. But he did lead in both races last year and finished 12th and 9th respectively. And this is a track where, like, the results don't show it for Blaney, kind of similarly to Tyler Reddick. But he's always someone I think of when we come here because he is usually a front runner. He knows how to lead laps here. It's just that he'll end up getting caught up in something riding too close to the wall or some other incident. So I look for consistency to definitely carry over into Kansas for Blaney. I like him as the third best for this week for sure. And I think that he could be a contender for a top five finish. I don't know about the win, but um, I do think that he should be good for a, a good DFS day, just given how that team has looked over the last three weeks. The values are pretty solid, 9,200 for DFS. So he's going to be a, a little bit more expensive than Bubba Wallace, which I would say is fair. And then he's plus 1,500 for the win. He's just would do, like you mentioned, Cole, the back-to-back runner-up finishes. I, I think that, I mean, you could say that five weeks ago, he was due, to be honest. It's crazy that as well as they've run on occasion, that the 12 team has gone this long without a win. And again, kind of just as the gut call, I think we're going to have a late-breaking winner in this race. Ryan Blaney is a guy that in his career, historically, forget the, the winless drought, in his career, he's been able to find himself in the right place at the right time, even if he hasn't dominated. And for that reason, on top of the fact that he's been the best performing Penske forward over the last few several weeks, I think you can expect that if there is, you know, a late caution or something that might put him in the mix at the end, that there, there's reason to believe that Ryan Blaney could, could finish in the top five and probably run in the top 10 for most of the week. Another guy who's been knocking on the door, Cole, and you can tell we're really high on, on all the Toyotas this week and, and with good reason, is Ty Gibbs running in, in the top five on occasion last week. He's just been... As a rookie at his age, it would be impressive for any rookie at any age, but it's, it's been so impressive to see how consistent he's been the first half of the season. And I think Ty Gibbs, honestly, is knocking on the door of a win. Another top 15 last week at a notoriously difficult track in Dover, where he should have finished in the top 10. I mentioned he was floating around the top five. I, there was a point, Cole, where it crossed my mind, Ty possibly stealing the winning and getting to victory lane at Dover last week. Like, it was a legitimate thought of mine at one point. I think given his performance all season, he should be a no-brainer. Joe Gibbs with the, the evident upswing as of recently, you know, think about the, the, the fact that Truex was able to close out last week's win. I think Ty Gibbs is going to get to a point where he is going to win at some point this season. And you look at a track that he's won at in both Xfinity and in Arca, and I think there's good reason to believe that on a week where the Toyotas are going to be players, this has got to be a date circled by that 54 camp in Ty Gibbs. Always fast here in any series he's been in. Always fast this season at any track we've been to. 
And I think you start to look at some of those Toyotas that we mentioned at the top, like Christopher Bell and Martin Truex Jr. Sure, they're great picks for the win, but I think a really good value and a, a sleeper for the win as we get into our value picks here, Cole. The value for me is Ty Gibbs at 7,800 in daily fantasy. But I think that as we look at this value picks category, sure, he's a value, but I really look at Ty Gibbs as a sleeper for the win as well, an outside sleeper for the win at this race in Kansas. Uh, I think we're both in total agreement here. He's just been so amazing this season. And if they were not short seven laps on fuel, they would have definitely scored a top five in that race. I think they were running fourth and they had to surrender that position to, to top off. But man, I think this is definitely a track where he, he could steal the win, similarly to, to Bubba last year. And I think he should be a lock for all lineups. I, and you know this kid's doing great this season because his value as a rookie is $7,800. It just keeps climbing up higher and higher and higher, but for good reason. Yeah, I, I like him a lot this weekend as a definite top 10 call and a borderline top five with a chance for the win as well. For my first sleeper, I'm going to keep it in the RFK stable and the Ford stable and go with Chris Busher. I feel very good about that entire organization this weekend. Just being been seeing a lot of consistent speed from both teams and riding two straight top 10s into a one and a half mile track a place where that team ran very well last year. And, it, it, you know, it, it's hard to take any stats from this year into what was NASCAR's bread and butter in these intermediate mile and a half tracks because we've only had Vegas this year. You had Atlanta as well, but that's changed into a, a Speedway-esque style of racing. But I would say that team's not quite on par with Kislowski in terms of uh, closing it out. But I think you're starting to see that team to start string together complete races and really capitalize on the speed that, that they have. I can definitely see this being a race where both RFK cars finish top 10 again, but I think we're looking at more of like 11th, 12th place car with a chance for a top 10 for Chris Buescher. But again, I would not be surprised to see him score a top 10. I would say if he qualifies anywhere in the 20s or lower, definitely consider him for DFS lineups valued at $7,300, which is a great value. But if he qualifies anywhere in the top 15, maybe stray away from that. I think that kind of the trend we're seeing here, Cole, with, with these drivers in our value picks category, the common denominator is that they're they're showing that they have consistent speed and they're getting consistent results with the case of Chris Buescher and Ty Gibbs. And I think you're starting to see the 43 team, the 43 camp, there are Jones coming out in the same direction. They're kind of heading in a direction where they've looked a lot improved over the last few weeks. It, and you mentioned it earlier in the show, Cole. It was a very difficult start to the season for the Legacy Motor Club. But even with Eric Jones, he'd still like to see more consistency in terms of his results at this point in the season. But he is a value pick, in my opinion, because see the fact that he's been running inside the top 15 more frequently. That's typically a sign that things are moving in the right direction. And at least... High on Jones from this tier because he could be someone who wins you a lot of money in DFS when I get to the price later on. But he doesn't have any finish high in 20th in the last five Kansas race. He does have, however, five straight top tens, including three top fives in the five races prior to that. So he knows how to get around Kansas. Hasn't had the, the luck or results there the past few years, but he's shown that he, had, he can do it. And I think that you look at how that team's trajectory is right now. I think you expect probably a top 20 day at absolute bare minimum, but he could run right outside the top 10 and maybe depending on how this race progresses can finish in the top 10, which again, is someone I'm looking at as a value. He's 6,300 in daily fantasy. You're not going to find many drivers cheaper than Eric Jones. And I think that when you're looking for the cheapest priced driver in your lineup, Eric Jones is a guy that we're, you know, you know I guess around the sport and in the industry, they're not talking about him right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you get a good result at Kansas after this upswing in, in results the last few weeks. 
You go to a track that he's notoriously good at in Darlington next week. It would not surprise me if two, three weeks from now, we're talking about the fact that Eric Jones has really shaken to form and we're more consistent picking him on a weekly basis. And I think that starts, we're seeing the signs of it already. I think it starts at Kansas. I think you go to this track that he knows how to get around. People are going to be rubbed the wrong way by the results of the last few races there. But it would not surprise me to see Eric Jones finish in the top 10 this week. I don't like him as a big money bet to finish in the top 10, but maybe as a little bit of a flyer to finish in there. I like that a lot. And I like it in fantasy in daily fantasy at 6,300. That seems like a little bit of a steal to me for your, the, the cheapest priced driver in your lineup, potentially. I agree. That number gives you a lot of flexibility to work with. And I think you're not going to find a better value beyond that 6,300 for my final driver in the value picks category. I'm going to go with the Daytona 500 champion, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And we're at a point in the season again, right at that quarter mark, where I think we can confidently consider that 47 team as a definite top 15 car with borderline top 10 speed. He's actually carrying back-to-back top 15s into Kansas, a place where he finished eighth in the spring with laps led. And expanding further upon that, he has three top 10s along with two top 15s in his last six races this season. So I guess on that, the the word this episode has been consistency. And I think we're going to see what we've seen the entire season from Ricky. I expect to see a uh, top 15 car from him with a legitimate chance to score a top 10 finish. His value is also really, really good at $7,000. I think when you go to intermediate tracks and specifically one and a half mile tracks like Kansas, those are tracks where Ricky, no matter how he's performing, no matter what he's driving, he usually runs fairly well. He's a pretty safe bet. And um, I think $7,000 is a a really, really great value this week uh, for DFS for Ricky. Well, those are our 12 drivers. And and honestly, Cole, it's a very well-rounded out group with some Toyotas, some Chevys. So we mentioned we're most confident in those two manufacturers. And we mixed in a couple Fords in there as well. So we've got to pick a couple drivers from each tier. And and I'm going to go with a Hendrick Chevy, the favorite to win. Kyle Larson is is my favorite to come out of here. Kevin Harvick as my sleeper and Ty Gibbs as the value pick. So I'm going one from each manufacturer as we dwindle this down to six total drivers. Those are my three and give me your three. Very cool. For my favorite, I'm going to go with the other Hendrick Chevy that we mentioned. That's going to be William Byron. For my sleeper, we're going to go with Brad Keselowski. And then for my value pick, we're going to go with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. How about some big money bets now? I'll mention, I like to go the direction of, of top 10 when we're thinking of big money bets. And these are our favorite prop bets of the week that, you know, we just talked about DFS values a little bit. We'll get to our lineup in a second. We've talked about race winner values. I also, we, you and I like to talk about some bets that are a little bit more favorable that you can throw a bigger sum of money on. And, and I tend to go with top 10 bets for these. And based on what you had to just say about Chris Buescher, you have me convinced that he could be a shoe in for a top 10, which might surprise people. But at plus 250 to be in the top 10, I like that value for Chris Buescher. That is a big money bet I feel pretty good about. And then Brad Kislowski at plus 105 in the top 10 with how that team has run recently and and how I think we can expect them to run this week. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that's a good bet when it's all said and done as well. But give me your big money bets. Brad Kozlowski at plus 105, that sounds like an, an, a, a steal, an automatic lock in my opinion. Keeping it in the Kozlowski name, I'm going to go with a more untraditional big money bet, and that's going to be Brad Kozlowski head-to-head over Joey Logano at plus 115. I'm going to put it very bluntly, I don't like Logano at all this weekend. I think we always see that team perform when it counts at Kansas in the fall in the playoffs, and I just don't like how that team's performed the entire season. So that also should be a lock. Brad Kislowski over Joey Logano, plus 115. That'll be on DraftKings. This will also be on DraftKings. Christopher Bell will score a top five finish. 
at plus 105, so just above even. And then I also like Kevin Harvick score a top five at plus 225. Those will be my three big money bets. Very solid big money bets. I like that a lot, actually. Brad Keselowski to finish over Joey Logano. That is actually their odds, a better payout than Brad to finish in the top 10. So I, I think I feel more confidently in that, to be honest, than my pick of him to be in the top 10. But whatever floats your boat, those are our big money bets. And I think that you can feel pretty confidently putting a larger bet on those ones we just named. Going into our daily fantasy lineup now, our recommendation. I think there's a lot of directions to take this call because I, I think that we've both agreed over the course of this episode that a lot of ways this race can go. We feel pretty good about the Chevys and the Fords most, or at least the Chevys and the Toyotas most specifically, but there's certain Fords that we feel really good about. One of them is Kevin Harvick, who is in our daily fantasy recommended lineup this week. I, I think what I'm trying to get at here as I ramble, Cole, is that there's a lot of flexibility in this lineup. So I'll just start by saying that our most expensive driver recommended in this week's lineup is William Byron, who's valued at 10900 And then you've got five drivers that are very similar in price. Our second most expensive is the aforementioned Kevin Harvick at 8700 And then you get down to Brad Kozlowski, who's valued at 8200 And then every driver other than that is below $8,000 in value. That includes Ty Gibbs. We mentioned one of my favorite value picks this week. He's at 7800 And then you get Chris Buescher, one of your value picks, who's at 7300 as well as your other value pick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., that is valued at 7000 So that's our recommended lineup of Byron, Harvick, Kozlowski, Gibbs, Buescher, and Stenhouse. I feel really good about that, but you start to take some of these drivers out of the lineup, Cole, and there's a lot of different directions you could take it. Like You could easily take out a guy like Ricky Stenhouse, downgrade with uh, Eric Jones, who's valued at 6300 and then you have the ability to upgrade to a Kyle Larson if you feel better about him than William Byron. And I think you continue to look around drivers in that top tier, you can make room for a guy like Christopher Bell, and, and still have $800 left over to expend upon lower in your lineup. But I, I think we're getting some pretty good values on DraftKings this week in terms of the DFS. So go with your gut. Those are the six that, that we kind of came to a consensus on would be the safest picks. But I think there's a lot of room for flexibility in this best lineup recommendation. Yeah, there definitely is. And like I said, if you, or like you said, if you feel better with Kyle Larson over William Byron, by all means, you feel better with Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Find a way to configure that lineup, but there's definitely a way to go about it. I think, obviously, the most expensive drivers are going to be Kyle Larson and William Byron. In my opinion, I think those are the safest bets because those are the guys who have been leading laps all season. They both have two wins, and um, this is a track where, even though Toyota's won there more frequently over the last few races, Chevrolet is the one that's been leading all the laps. This season, at Kansas, you name it, so I like those cars a lot this week, and not to mention both those cars. In the case of Byron, he was the fronter of the entire race at Dover, got that win snatched away from him. Kyle Larson had a very fast car in stage one and got taken out very early. So I think both those guys are seeking some redemption, and we've seen both those guys this season, when seeking redemption, rise to the forefront and overcome all odds to win it all. So I do like the Hendrick Chevys this weekend. Again, if you feel better with the, the Joe Gibbs Toyota, by all means, but I think that this is a very consistent lineup. It's a very solid lineup. It looks uh, pretty stout. I'm pretty happy with that. Once again, it is our recommended DFS lineup of William Byron, Kevin Harvick, Brad Kozlowski, Ty Gibbs, Chris Buescher, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Well, it's time to put our money where our mouth is now, Cole. And this is our race winner and sleeper picks. This is the fun part where, you know, we, we do all this analysis and we dive deep into the numbers and stuff over the course of this full episode. And Sometimes you just got to go with your gut. That's what I did last week with William Byron. We didn't talk very much about him going into Dover. And I just kind of had a good feeling. And he had the best car for a majority of the race. And 
Horseshoe picked Kyle Larson, and he wound up being caught up in the crosshairs of an incident with Ross Chastain earlier in the race, but he had a great car with race-winning speed early on. Is At least that's what it appeared to be. And I get to pick first this week because you went first with, with Kyle last week, and I'm going to do something that I don't normally do, and I'm going to pick the same driver to win two weeks in a row. And I got to go back and look here. I don't think I've picked the same driver to win twice in a row. And, and as I'm going through our list here, I have not gone and picked the same driver twice in a row, but I'm going to do it this week. I'm picking William Byron to win once again this week at Kansas. I just think that he's been the most consistent driver all year. He is right behind Kyle Larson in, in terms of the Vegas favorites this week. And I think that William Byron has, even in spite of being the fastest car, I think he's still knocking on the door for yet another win this season. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's this week at Kansas. I, I like the 24 once again. Yeah. Um, full transparency. I like William Byron for the win as well. So this is your sign to uh, definitely throw some money on him for the race win. For sure. I think we both feel really good about that 24 this weekend, but can't pick the same driver. I'm going to go with the, uh, the 1B in the situation. That's going to be Kyle Larson. So I'll go with my winner from last week <laughs> as well. So yeah, we'll go with uh, Kyle Larson for the win. And for my sleeper, I'm going to go with, with Ty Gibbs. That was the easiest sleeper call I, I could definitely make. Again, I think he will be a definite top 10 contender with top five speed and a chance to actually steal this win as a legitimate sleeper. Yeah, that that's a perfect example of some low-hanging fruit there. I, I would have absolutely picked Ty Gibbs had I have had the, the chance to. And that's not interesting. We're both picking the same driver two weeks in a row, and you went first last week, and I'm, I'm going first this week. I think that once you get past Ty Gibbs, it's a little more complicated to pick a sleeper. And, you know, you, you've, there's guys we talked about. Like, we talked about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. We talked about Eric Jones and some of these guys that, that are deeper picks for the win valued at plus 10,000. I like them as values, but not necessarily to go out there and potentially steal a win. So I'm going with the gut call here. And I'm picking Chase Briscoe as my sleeper for the win. He was actually your sleeper last week and got caught up in an on-track incident as well. But I just like what I've seen out of that team putting – Full, complete races together. I think when you look at what we've seen so far this year, there's been a lot we can predict in terms of the speed and seeing how good Hendrick's been on a weekly basis. I think there's a lot we've also learned over so far that there's certain teams that have done really well with just being at the right place at the right time, conserving all their energy and resources for the course of a full race. And that's what I've seen the 14 team do this year. They, Especially recently, I think that that 14 squad has been one of the most impressive four teams in the sport. I mean, you mentioned earlier in, in the episode called out, Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick being the two most consistent four teams. Well, I think if you're looking at it over a smaller sample size, maybe like the last five races or so, you look at the 14 team and Chase Briscoe, and it would not surprise me if the 14 ended up somewhere in the top 10, top five by the end of the race and wound up in victory lane if it was a, a an opportunity where they could possibly still win. So I'm going with Chase Briscoe as my sleeper and William Byron as my winner. And without further ado, it is time we drop the jack on the most important stop of the day. We hope we made you some money last week and the weeks prior. It's been a very successful season here on the Money Stop. And we hope that this week's recommendations and where our guts are going is able to help you out and, and fatten up your wallet a little bit this week as well. Heading to Kansas Speedway, the Advent Health 400 will begin at 3 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday this week. Should be a very fun one in the Bluegrass State. And he's Paul Cusimano. I'm Stephen Cusimano. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Gotta make them wanna come back from more.